All right, if you got your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. We're going to be skipping around a little bit today as we finish up our series. So for those of you who have been part of City Church, you know um, we've been talking about this idea of my not-so-perfect family. My not-so-perfect family. We spent the last three weeks looking at our not-so-perfect family. So how many of you would say because of the last three weeks here at City Church, your family is perfect now? Everybody, right? We got it all figured out. We mastered it. Okay, that, that hasn't actually been the case, has it? Uh, Our family is not so perfect still. We could spend the next 52 Sundays digging into God's word on our not so perfect family and our family would still be not so perfect, right? Uh, Hopefully, you actually have seen some progress though. Uh, As we've looked at ourselves, as we've looked at what we need to own uh, and how the impact that can make on the rest of our family. So today we're going to go in a little bit different direction. As we wrap this series up, if you haven't been here with us for any of the rest of the series, today's message will stand completely alone. You won't need the rest of the series to reference, to understand it. If you have been here for the rest of the series, this will put the cap on what we have studied. But what we're going to do is we're going to talk about my not-so-perfect spiritual family today. We spent the last three weeks looking at our, 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 our actual family, right? Our immediate family, the people who live in the same house as us. Today, I want you to look with me at the people who worship in the same house of God with us, if that makes sense, right? So there's, there's kind of two different levels of spiritual family. There's, there's the local church, the church that we're a part of. That's like your immediate spiritual family. And then there's the global church, the fact that we're all, if you're a Christian, you're all adopted into the, the family of God, and so we've got family all over the world. That's, that's the extended spiritual family, right? Uh, and so all this is going to apply to our extended spiritual family, but I want us to look at, at, at our local family today, at our immediate spiritual family and the importance of it, and how we can help bring some healing in some situations. So we're, we're going to go through a few points, and if you've been part of the series, these may sound a little bit familiar. They're going to be slightly tweaked. If you haven't, uh, th- this is going to encourage you in a great way, I believe. The first thing we need to know is this when it comes to spiritual family. The spiritual family was God's design. The spiritual family was God's design. He had this in mind from the beginning. In fact, Ephesians chapter 3.14, the Apostle Paul is, is talking about praying over this church that, that he helped start in Ephesus. And he says, he says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Talking about the Father, he says, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So, so from the heavenly Father, there's this whole family. You know you got family in heaven? We always think about that in regards to our actual family, right? Well, grandpa, I'm going to see grandpa again one day, or or cousin, or or sister, or parent, that I'm going to look forward to seeing them again. But you know you have a whole extended spiritual family in heaven? I don't really think about that a whole lot. I I love that Paul actually references this. He says, the whole family in heaven and on earth is named for him. So the spiritual family is God's design. God intended for you, intended for me to be part of a church family. I'm so proud as pastor of City Church, as a part of City Church. I'm so proud of our church this week. You guys have been amazing, man. You've been incredible. I know Dwindle already shouted it out and we already mentioned it, but but would you help me just just give a round of applause for the people who served this week? Man. Got some servants in this church, y'all. 
We got some people who love to bless people. I saw so many people running around doing so many things over the last couple days. If you're just with us and you're like, okay, what are you even talking about? So Friday night, we had a Good Friday service. We invited, in fact, a couple other churches to come and join us, our friends from Church of the Harvest and Spirit Church. And we grilled burgers and and did all kinds of stuff with that. And then yesterday, we did this block party uh, right out here in our parking lot. And we, we didn't have anywhere to put anybody else to park. Like, we packed it out, gave away thousands of Easter eggs, uh, all kinds of different things, face painting and Kid City tattoos and per- temporary tattoos, let me clarify. Uh, but all kinds of stuff uh, to be a blessing. Like you said, like 600 hot dogs. I don't know. We, we made a ton and ton of ton of food. Um, and you guys put so much work in to prepare for that, to set up, to clean up, to have the building back ready uh, for today. Then we got the, the Shapley family staying after that to build a donut wall for us to have a donut wall today. Uh, Pam's getting up early to go pick up 26 dozen donuts. Like so many people have done so many things. And I'm so proud of our spiritual family. The spiritual family was God's design. If you don't have a church home, I'm not here today to tell you to make City Church your home. But I am here to tell you that, man, you need a family. You need a church that you can be a part of. And there's really two reasons why you need that. The the number one reason is, is there's stuff in other believers that God wants to get to you. Right? There's gifts in other believers. I could look around this room and tell you so many things that other people can do that I can't do at all. Man, if it wasn't for my church family, I don't know what I would do when something breaks in my house. I don't know what I would do when something breaks in my car. Like, I lean on so many of you guys in so many ways, and I'm so grateful for the spiritual family. But there's different things in different ones of us that, that the rest of us need, right? And so there's things in other people that you need. You need to, their accountability. You need their encouragement. You need them to challenge you sometimes. You need to learn from their example. Sometimes from their positive example, but let's be real. Sometimes we learn from the negative example of our spiritual family too, right? Which is the title of the message, my not-so-perfect spiritual family. But, but God's designed for that family to bless you, for it to help you to grow, for it to help you to be more like Jesus. But there's another reason why you need a spiritual family. See, the reality is it's not just something in everybody else that you need. There's something in you that the body of Christ needs. There's something in you that a local church needs to make them better. God's given you a gift. God's given you a passion. He's given you a calling. He's given you the ability to to do some things that he wants to use to build his church. So again, this is not a city church advertisement. Man, this this is a plug that you need to find a church. Wherever that is, where you can be a part of, you can be faithful to it, you can grow, you can watch God do something incredible because there's something in you your spiritual family needs. The, The second thing we need to know about spiritual family is that the spiritual family existed before sin. So there's a time in history where the spiritual family was perfect, right? We're not in that time right now. A day will come again where the spiritual family will be perfect. We're not in that time right now. We're in between. It started perfect. It will end perfect. We're in this in-between season where it's not perfect. So it's not perfect right now, but the spiritual family did exist before sin. Obviously, in the beginning... We believe in what we call the Trinity, that God exists in three persons, that there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they exist in in complete unity. 
And so at the beginning, God was a father and Jesus Christ was a son, right? There's a spiritual family from, from before the beginning. But even in humanity, we see that God always had a family. In Luke chapter 3, verse 23, it says, Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old. This is the genealogy of Jesus. It tracks Jesus' history all the way back. We're not going to do the whole genealogy. But just look what it says. It says, Jesus himself was 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. So he was the adopted son of Joseph. The son of Heli, uh, and we're not going to read through the other 13 verses that come after that because there's a whole lot of names there you don't need to know, but we'll get to the end of it. He's the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Do you know Adam was the son of God? You ever think about that? It's kind of an interesting concept. It's a little maybe different for some of us to, to consider, but the Bible actually says that Adam was a son of God. Now, he's not a son of God in the way that Jesus was a son of God, right? He, he didn't exist eternally. He was a creation of God. Uh, but, but God says, I'm his father. He's my son. And so the actual genealogy of humanity, you trace yourself all the way back to Adam and Eve, you're going to find that God is the father of your family. So there was a season where Adam and Eve existed before sin, there was a season where, where people were here on earth, where God had a spiritual family on earth, and everything was wonderful. Everything was perfect. You ever had one of those days in your family where it seemed like, man, this is the vision? Like, man, you're on vacation, you're somewhere, everything goes right, everybody shows up on time, the kids don't fight, nobody complains, nobody's upset about what we're having for dinner, like everything just comes together, right? Like maybe once every five years, you get that perfect day in your family, Adam and Eve existed in an era where every day was perfect before they sinned. Can you imagine? Can you imagine perfect harmony with your spouse? Perfect harmony with, with everybody around. They, they existed in that season. There was a time where the spiritual family was flawless. Now, the reality is most of us here, if you have any history with church at all, you can tell some stories about how God's spiritual family is not flawless today, right? Most of us here can share some, some deep pain we've suffered at the hands of others in God's spiritual family. But there was a time where that didn't happen. There was a time where God's family was perfect. Next, we see the spiritual family fell along with the fall. So when Adam and Eve fell, when they brought sin into the world, they didn't just bring sin into their, their life, they brought sin into family. We saw in the physical family that the physical family fell along with Adam and Eve a few weeks ago. And the reality is the same time that the physical family fell, the spiritual family started to fall, started to have some corruption, started to have some issues. So every time you've been hurt in your life by a pastor by a Sunday school teacher, by another church member, by somebody who talked about you, by, by, by somebody who mistreated you in church. Every time that that's happened to you, all of that traces its roots back to Adam and Eve and their decision to bring sin into the world. See, that was not God's plan for you. That was not God's vision for you. That was not his purpose for you, for you to be hurt by his people. But the reality is when sin came into the world, so did gossip, Right? When sin came into the world, so, so did destruction, so did abuse. Some of us have seen some pretty awful things under the guise of, of the, the family of God, 
under the title, under the caption of God's family. The reality is Adam and Eve brought that sin into the world, and we're still in the season where that sin is not fully eradicated. Next thing I want you to see is this. This is probably the most important. This is really kind of what we've hinged our series on, is this. My spiritual family is broken because I am broken. Right? My spiritual family is broken because I am broken. In other words, there's no perfect church out there. Every church is broken. But if there was a perfect church out there, the minute I went to it, it wouldn't be perfect anymore, right? Right? The minute I stepped inside the doors, the minute they accepted me into their church family, that church family is no longer perfect because I'm there. And so just as we can with our physical family, we can look at mom, we can look at dad, we can look at spouse, we can look at kids, we can make a long list of all the ways that they've done us wrong, all the things that they've done to hurt us, all the ways they've let us down. No matter how great our family is, there's some pain that we carry related to our immediate family, our physical family, right? And for many of us, if we've been part of church for any length of time, we probably carry some church pain too. And yes, man, we, we want to believe God for a better church. One of the things that we've put in here that, that we try to enforce is, you're, you're, we, we say this to everybody, you are free to struggle here. Whatever your sin is, whatever your issue is, man, you're free. You don't have to have it all together to be part of our church. None of us do. We are very, very imperfect and aware that we are very imperfect. There is one sin here, though, that we have a really big problem with. There is one sin here where if this is your sin, this is, this is not the church family for you. And I'm going to explain why. And that sin is gossip. Because gossip destroys the other people of God. We, you can, we will tolerate any, we, we've had drug addicts, alcoholics, um, every sexual perversion you can imagine. We got all kinds of issues and all kinds of junk here. And we will work through that. We will struggle through that. We will believe God for deliverance and, and move towards God's best through any of it. Gossip's the one thing where if you got an issue with that, we may have to actually ask you to not be part of the church here because gossip destroys people, right? It destroys people. And unfortunately, God's family for so many years has been marked with, with this sin that we like to talk about each other. It's been said that, that God's army is the only army in the world that likes to shoot its own wounded, right? That, that for some reason, we're really good at, at pointing out the issue that somebody else has and just jumping on it. And, 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 and man, we really need to pray for so-and-so. He's going through this, right? And, and we, we, we try to super-spiritualize it. And we try to couch it and say, oh, well, I'm just trying to help them. But in, really what we're doing is we're hurting them. And so this is one thing where we draw a firm line. Look, we're not going to do this. Man, we're going to stand against this because we're not going to let that come in and destroy our church family, we're a very, very imperfect church family, but that's one thing that we believe that, that God is helping us to eradicate from our family. But our, our church family is broken because I am broken. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says this in the ESV, talking about the body of Christ, talking about this thing, the church. It says, if one member suffers, every one or all suffer together. We all suffer with it. So, so if one of us has brokenness, all of us are broken. Right today, I don't know if you've seen the news, but this morning on the island nation of Sri Lanka, there, there were a series of bombings 
where at the last report that I saw, uh, most of them were in churches, a couple of them were in hotels, some sort of a terrorist act, some sort of a, a, a rebel group, but they, they don't know all the details yet. But last report I saw, over 200 people had passed away. Going to church on Easter, <laughs> celebrate Jesus. And I don't know anybody from Sri Lanka. I don't, I don't have any friends who are missionaries in Sri Lanka. But you know what? Those are my brothers and sisters. And so when one member suffers, all suffer together. When there's brokenness, whether that's sinful brokenness or that's hurt, we all suffer together. This is the design of the body of Christ. It says if one rejoices, all rejoice together. Right? Romans puts it this way, that, that we're called to mourn with those who mourn and to rejoice with those who rejoice. And so today we rejoice with the church globally as we rejoice that Jesus Christ is born again. But we also mourn with the church in Sri Lanka, with our brothers, our sisters, who we've never met, who've lost 200 loved ones. Maybe more. The count was still going up when, from the first time I saw this morning to the, the count where it was over 200. So we're going to mourn together. In fact, if, if we could, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to pause just right here in our message, and we're going to pray for the church in Sri Lanka. Would you guys join me, man? If one member suffers, all suffer together. We're going to suffer today with, with our brothers and sisters who've lost lives, who've lost loved ones for the name of Jesus. Would you join with me in prayer? Father God, we lift up the church in Sri Lanka. God, I know most of us have, have no reference point for even knowing anyone over there. God, it's on the complete other side of the world. God, but those are your people. Those are your sons and your daughters. And so we feel today, God, the brokenness in our family, our, our deeply extended family, God, but our family nonetheless. So, God, we lift up these churches, these, these ministers, God, these, these men and women, these families who've lost someone they love. God, we speak healing over them. God, we thank you that your word promises that you comfort those who mourn. God, that you are bro close to the brokenhearted. So we thank you that your spirit is already at work in Sri Lanka to bring reconciliation, already at work to help these churches rebuild, already at work to, to, to bring new life into dead places. But God, for those who have lost a, a loved one, God, we speak life over them. We mourn with them today, God. We suffer along with them today because those are our brothers and sisters. Those are your kids. And we feel that today. We thank you for all that you're doing. Uh, God, we just speak relief efforts, God, that, that, that organizations would step up and provide whatever is needed. God, we pray that the government would find the perpetrators, God, that those who did this would be brought to justice in Jesus' name. God, but even those who did it would find Jesus, that they would see the love of the church even in the midst of the destruction and the hurt they've caused. We thank you for all this, God, in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. My spiritual family is broken. Because I am broken. That wasn't supposed to be part of my message today, but it happened today, and I feel like it needs to be addressed. No, number five, the, the spiritual family is redeemed at the cross of Jesus. The last thing I want you to see today is that the spiritual family is redeemed at the cross of Jesus. You see, my spiritual family is not so perfect. I could tell you so many things that I've seen. I grew up in church. Uh, I, I grew up in a family of church hoppers. Uh, we, we would go around, and we, we were a part of a church for two or three years, and then we'd go to another church. And there were a number of things, and, and sometimes legitimate reasons why we left. Maybe sometimes they weren't. I don't even know all the details. I was young. But we changed churches a lot. We saw a lot of hurt in a lot of different churches. We saw a lot of things that went wrong, a lot of things that didn't go the way that God designed for them to go. Many of you today, maybe it's your first time in church in years. Maybe you haven't been to church in a long time because you were a part of a church and, and somebody did something. Somebody said something. Leadership made some decision. 
Maybe somebody in leadership fell. Somebody in leadership that you looked up to turned out that they were walking in hypocrisy. They weren't who they said they were. On on behalf of Jesus today, I want to just apologize for that hurt. Not that Jesus did that to you. He didn't. But those are his brothers and sisters who did. You know, Jesus is our older brother. That's a whole other level of theology. We'll get to that later. But, 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 but he's our older brother in Christ. And on behalf of him today, I want to I apologize on behalf of the church that you've been hurt. But, but can I say this? There is redemption for the church. The church is not so perfect. But just like the physical family, the spiritual family is redeemed at the cross of Jesus. Hebrews 2.11 says this. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. The one who makes people holy, God, and the one who are made holy, that's us. How are we made holy? Not through our own goodness, but through him giving us his, right? They're of the same family. It says, so Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. How cool is that? Isn't that kind of mind-blowing that Jesus is your older brother? Like, I've got an older brother. John, if you're watching, I love you, dude. Sometimes my brother's had long hair like Jesus, but he ain't never been Jesus, right? Like, like that's, a, that's a crazy different level of older brotherhood to imagine. Maybe you're here today and you're from a great family. Maybe you're here today and you're from a terrible family. But the reality is if you're a believer in Jesus, if you've received his salvation, he's your older brother. And Jesus Christ, as we celebrate today, he died for your sins. He died for my sins. He took all that stuff to the cross. He said, look, little brothers and little sisters, I got this one. I'm going to take this to the cross. And he nailed my sin, my failure, my shame, my rejection. He nailed all of that to the cross. Every time I would hurt one of his people, every decision I would make that, 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 that would betray him, he nailed all that to the cross. Why? So that he could redeem us into his family. You know, the Bible actually teaches if you're a believer in Jesus, you're adopted into the family of God. See, God was was our father from the beginning, right? He's Adam's father, and so we've descended from that. But he says, I'm bringing you back. I'm redeeming you back into my family. Like, you've strayed, you've wandered, you've fallen into sin. But I got a plan to redeem it. And so he brings us back in, and he joins us to the, the big C church, the global church. Then I believe he calls us to the lowercase c church, the the local church, that we'd be a part of something. Because you know what, guys? There's a world out there that needs Jesus. There's a world out there that's hurting. There's a world out there that's scarred, that's marked, that's suffered, man, so much at their own hands. Sometimes suffered some things at the hands of the church. And God's calling us to be redemption people. He's calling us to be restoration people. He's calling us to be for our city. That's what we're going to talk about in our next series. Man, that God's called us to be for them because he is for them. Jesus is our big brother. And Jesus did something amazing in the cross. In fact, go ahead and throw that picture up. Most of you know there was a fire at the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris this past week. And we're actually been interviewing youth pastor candidates. And one of the youth pastor candidates shared this with me. This is a picture of, of the Basilica at Notre Dame. Notre, Notre Dame, excuse me. My French teacher would be ashamed of me for saying Notre Dame. Uh, so the cathedral at Notre Dame, it's built in the shape of a cross. It's called a basilica. You see that it's built with, with basically two rectangles in the shape of a cross. And here it is on fire. 
And here's the reality of this picture is that in the cross of Jesus, the fire of hell is contained for me. That in his cross, that fire is held back as he's received me into his family, as he's adopted me and made me his child. As I've come into the family of God, he's restored me to his family. The fires of hell are contained there for me. They'll never touch me. They'll never hurt me. Not because of anything I've ever done. Because I am messed up. I am not so perfect. We can do a whole series on the not so perfect pastor, right? The not so perfect husband, the not so perfect father, the not so perfect whatever I am. Insert there. But he is. And in his grace, in his mercy, he came in the cross and he said, These fire, this wrath is never going to touch you. And if you're a child of God today, if you've received his son, the reality is that picture is your picture. That's your story. That's your salvation, the destruction. And that cathedral is sad, man. There's history there. It's terrible that that happened, but what an amazing picture God gave us out of it. What a great illustration that the fires of hell have been held back for us in the cross of Jesus. If you're here today and you haven't yet, received a not so perfect spiritual family because you haven't yet received what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago you haven't believed on him I want you to know this the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you'll be saved two things you have to do first you got to believe here right you got to believe that Jesus really raised from the dead 2,000 years ago. That this isn't a fable, this isn't a story, this isn't just a good thing that we like to talk about to give us an excuse to, to put chocolate in plastic eggs, right? Like to give us an excuse to hang donuts on a wall. Like this is actually historically true. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, left heaven and came to earth, lived a sinless life and died in my place. If you wanna receive salvation, you have to believe that. You don't have to understand it all. You don't have to have it all figured out how it works. But you do have to believe it. Secondly, once you believe, that it says you got to confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Can you guys just say that out loud real quick? Jesus is Lord. What an awesome confession on Easter Sunday. Let's say it again one more time. Jesus is Lord. It says if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Not just Jesus is Savior. Not just Jesus contain the fires of hell for me. But Jesus, your Lord, that means he's in charge. That means he's leading your life. That the, the way we always explain it here is that I've been on the throne of my life. And man, it doesn't work very well when I'm on the throne. And so I'm going to get up and I'm going to give the throne over to him and say he's in charge. Doesn't mean I've never made a mistake. Doesn't mean I've never kind of crept back up on the throne for a moment or a season. But it means he's in charge. It is his throne. He's the one who I'm following. He's the one I'm listening to. He's the one I'm obeying. And when you'll do that, when you'll believe that in your heart and confess him as Lord with your mouth, the Bible says you will be saved. That means that your sins are paid for and forgiven. That means the fires of hell are held back in the cross of Jesus for you. That means you've got a spiritual family. God is your perfect heavenly father. Jesus is your perfect big brother. And we are your not so perfect brothers and sisters. Amen. But you got a family. And you know what? I've been hurt by some church people as many of you have. But I can't tell you how much more I've been blessed by the people of God. 
how many more times the people of God have done incredible things for me. You know what? I've been hurt by some family, some, some physical family in my life. But my family's been a bigger blessing to me than they've been a curse. My family's done more good for me than they've done bad. And the church family of God is the same way. We can all look back at the hurt that the family of God has caused us. Caused us. We can probably look back at the hurt we've caused some other people in the family of God. But Jesus saved you to adopt you into a family because he wants this family to be a blessing to you. Amen? And I believe that it absolutely can be.